Hello, and welcome to the Kings of CONCACAF podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and today we have a very special guest on, uh, Matt Brennan, longtime friend of mine, neighbor, known him since birth. Um, Matt, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us your favorite club team and your, and your favorite current U.S. men's national team player. Hey, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Um, unfortunately, I'm a Tottenham fan, so I live through a lot of suffering. Um, and my favorite U.S. men's national team player is Weston McKinney. Great, great. Uh, Weston McKinney is a great player. Sorry to hear about the Tottenham fan. Um, he was rumored to Tottenham, but uh, Conte said that he's untouchable. So we'll see if anything further happens with that. Um, so we're going to now talk about kind of the the game last night, some transfers and some other random stuff. Um, so, yeah. So... Before we get too deep into it, what were your thoughts overall on the game from last night? I thought overall the results were positive. Um, they definitely created a lot of chances, which is a good improvement. Um, I do think some of the individual performances I weren't, I wasn't too happy with, particularly Pulisic, but uh, I think that overall it was a pretty good team performance. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that... Um, it wasn't their cleanest performance. I think that it was good that they were able to get the chances, but I think that um, because they weren't necessarily able to put all of them away, it, that definitely hurt them because a one nothing result against El Salvador is not necessarily ideal. But I do think that if one, if you get the result, that's all that really matters. And um, a win is a win. Three points is three points. But I was definitely... I'm hoping for a slightly strong performance, but I will say overall it was a good performance because they got the dub. Um, so I just was going to talk about first a couple of the different players that were there and what you thought their um, individual performance were like during the game last night. Um, first, we'll go with the two players that were question marks coming to this game because they have not really been playing for their teams, their club teams. And that is um, first, Kristen Pulisic, and then Sergio Dest. Let me know how you, what you think um, their performance performances were and um, what they could have done better and, uh, you know, that type of stuff. So for Pulisic, I was actually thinking about this last night, is that he made a quote about how Tuchel's been playing in a lot of different positions, not in his preferred position. So with Chilwell out for the year and Alonso being not very consistent, he's had to play a lot of left wing back. And he's also played a few times as a central striker, which isn't really his role. I just say the fact that he isn't getting consistent playing time, he's playing so many different positions, it's hard for him to improve and get comfortable. I feel like he's still reeling from all the injuries that he's had. So him playing in four different positions is not particularly helping him, but it may be helping Chelsea. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I think that it's hard for someone to get in consistent form and basically play up to, you know, their their potential um, when they're not playing in the position that they can. I saw this stat that when Christian Pulisic plays at his preferred left wing position, I think he averages a goal or goal slash assist. Um in every less than 90 minutes. So that's something to think about. And I'm just kind of curious as to why um, Pulisic is not playing in his preferred position. Um, and I think it's also odd because Tuchel did manage him at Dortmund too. So he knows um, Pulisic just as well as, you know, any manager in, in you know, the world would. So that's just um, a head scratcher to me. I think that Eventually, Pulisic will figure out what's going on. Tuchel will figure out what's going on. Hopefully, Pulisic can get back in form because not only is that good for him, but that also helps um, the men's national team if he's in good form. Um, so then also, how did you think he played last night? I think he was all right. I don't know. I, I, I've i seen him play a lot better, so I feel like I have higher expectations for him than I do a lot of the other players on the team. So for him to have a mediocre performance is almost bad for me because I've seen the level he can play at. Um, so I, I was just going to add about Chelsea. Like last season, they were playing a lot of the 3-4-2-1 or whatever, where it's him playing left wing. Yeah. But with Lukaku coming in and Tuchel going to a lot more possession with that 4-2-2-2 that we saw against Tottenham, 
Um, they're playing a lot of possession-based, and there isn't really a left-wing position. It's like that attacking midfield, but he hasn't really been given the nod in that position. Yeah, it's it's strange because um, I think when you have a player with that talent, I understand Pulisic is not world-class yet. I mean, he is only... 23 or 4 now I'm blanking on his age but he's not very old so it's not necessarily bad that he's not considered world class yet but I think that um, if he's able to continue to play at that like next level I guess you could say that that we've seen in the past we've seen it with the national team we've seen it with Chelsea in moments I mean he played like out of his mind when you know the lockdown uh was lifted in the beginning of COVID. So that's something that if you can find that form again, if you can find, you know, the form where everyone knows he can play at, I think that Tuchel only has the, he has no other choice than to play him consistently. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So enough for Pulisic. I, I definitely agree with what you said. I think he definitely, um, did not play to his fullest potential last night. This is kind of why I think um, Berhalter took him off because Weya was playing much better. And um, Pulisic just didn't seem like himself. Not only when he was on the ball, but he wasn't really seeking out the ball as much as he normally does. Especially with the national team, he definitely always tries to get the ball because he can influence a game um, just as well as anyone. Uh so, so yeah, so next uh, player that I mentioned was Serginho Dest. Um, as I am a Barcelona fan, it hurts me for him not to be getting playing time for Barcelona. Um, you know, what are your thoughts with his situation there? And um, what do you think is the recipe for success in, you know, what he can do to gain his form again and gain the trust of uh, new manager Xavi? Um, I'd say for Dest, I, I'm kind of surprised that he isn't playing because, first of all, he's very good going forward, which probably suits the Chavi system, which is very attacking. He can play on the left and the right. Like, he can play left back and right back, which I think is very good. But he just doesn't seem to be getting the playing time. And maybe that's because he's not doing something in training or behind the scenes that impresses the manager. But I definitely think that a move may be needed for him because at his age, it's important, in my mind, it's important for him to develop and to get to that next level. And I think if a manager isn't going to improve him, then he may need to look for other opportunities, maybe just alone, because I know Chelsea were looking at him with their left-back issues. Um, But, you know, a a team that's missing left-back and also he can play on the right-back side, I think that alone may be good for him to get some form. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that it's weird because um, he is one of the most promising left, I mean, uh, right backs slash out, outside back. He's played left back before. I think he's better as a right back. Um, but he's one of the most promising, we'll, ca- we'll call him a right back, in the world. And um, I know I'm obviously biased because I like Barcelona and I like the US men's national team. So I'm going to call him one of the most promising right backs. But I think that's pretty universally accepted. He's, you know, of the top talents at that right back position um, in the world right now. And it's weird that um, when Xavi comes in, he basically loses his starting role to a 38 year old um, player that hasn't played at the top level for three or four years now. So I think that um, Xavi is a fine manager, but I think in this situation, Xavi is favoring Danny Alves because of the, of their relationship in in teams in the past because they you know they played together for a very long time so they have that good relationship and I think that Dest is definitely um, being hurt because of that I think that uh, he will uh, you know eventually figure out what's going on um, and I'm hoping that he does before January because I want to see him um, succeed in Barcelona but if it isn't figured out by um by maybe March or April, I think he needs to leave because you need to play to develop. And uh, if he's not playing, then you're not going to develop. Um, so then how do you think he played last night in the El Salvador game? I think the uh, you can certainly see the chemistry he has with the likes of Adams, McKenney, and Waya. And I think that he, he offered pretty good going, or sorry, pretty 
good attacks with their interplay and with his runs. I would just say that I feel like defensively sometimes he does overexert himself going forward and then leaves a hole in behind. So I feel like that's an area for improvement for him because there are a few breaks where El Salvador probably should have scored and didn't. So, I mean, if they convert their chances, it could have been a 2-1 game with two shots on goal. So I would say that he definitely needs to uh, shore up that defensive side. Yeah, I think that's definitely, I mean, you hit the nail on the, on the hammer there. Um, that's his biggest weakness is, is his defensive side of the game. And I think that he needs to definitely make improvements. And that also could be why Chavi has left him out because um, I think that Obviously, Danny Alves had a has a had a significantly better career than Dest, but I think their play styles are similar in the fact that Danny Alves was a very offensive-minded um, outside back in his prime, and I think that's how Dest is too. Um, he's very um, offensively minded, but I think that Danny Alves was a better defender than um, Dest is so far in his career, and I think that maybe Chavi sees you know the old Danny Alves, and that's why he's given the favor to Danny Alves over Serginho Dest. Um, and I, I agree with you, all that all you said about last night's game. I think that he was fine. I don't think he was overly, um, performed overly well, but I also think he wasn't poor. I'd give him probably a six out of 10, maybe six and a half out of 10. He's definitely, he definitely didn't play at his full capabilities, but I think that has to do with the fact that he hasn't been in, in, this, in the squad for games um, when Barcelona has played. Um, all right, so moving forward to our next topic was what do you think the U.S. men's national team can do better in the upcoming game against Canada? I will start off by saying, Greg Berhalter, I know that this might be um, a very annoying topic to hear, but as many of you know, I'm not a very big fan of Greg Berhalter, the U.S. men's national team coach, and I do believe that um, he needs to be very careful with his subs in Canada's in the game against Canada on Sunday. Ultimately, last night it did not matter because they were already up when he brought on the likes of Jassy's artist and um, Jordan Morris. But I do think he needs to be more careful with the subs that he makes on Sunday because the quality of the Canada side is significantly better than the quality of the El Salvador side. Um, and not bringing on Ricardo Pepe is a head scratcher to me. So I think that Jesus Ferreira was a fine choice for the, in the lineup to starting because Pepe has struggled in his form and he hasn't scored, but I would definitely choose Pepe over Zardes if you're going to go for a, a number nine striker. And I think that, um, Burhalter has to be much more careful because, um, you know, Canada actually has quality players. Whereas I'm not saying El Salvador does not have quality f- players, but the quality in the um, Canada side is much higher. So, what do you think they could do better in this upcoming game against Canada? I would definitely agree with you about the talent difference. Uh, no offense to El Salvador, but. I mean, as you saw last night, Jonathan David has been firing on all cylinders. I don't know what happened in between when he could barely score anything for Lille, and all of a sudden he's an expert marksman in the box. I don't know what happened. But if you leave him open on a counterattack, he will score it. He won't mess it up. He won't the way he's playing right now. So I would definitely say that um, they need to be careful going forward because one quick counter, I mean – they might not be able to beat his speed. So if one break, you know, that could be a goal. And as beautiful as your uh, build-up play can be, one bad pass can cause a goal. I would also agree with you about the subs. I think I think Pepe, if he gets in the form, could offer a lot more than Zardes could at his peak. So I would, I feel like Pepe deserves to at least play because adjusting to a new league is always difficult, especially a new country. So I would definitely give him some time to get comfortable because he can be very good for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that is pretty universally accepted that um, Pepe has a higher ceiling than Giassi's artists. And we've seen how well Pepe can play for the U.S. Men's National Team. But for whatever reason, um, 
Giassi's artist is in Greg Berhalter's pocket and somehow is always called up to the to the team, even when the MLS is not currently even in season. So if you go off basic uh, like form, you can't even say necessarily Giassi's artist is um, in better form than Pepe because I think Pepe has scored more recently than Giassi's artist because um, most of MLS hasn't played since mid-November. So. No it's just, Josh Sargent either. Yeah, no Josh Sargent either. And now, I will say before we go into our next segment, we'll let we'll let Matt talk a little about about Josh Sargent because I know he's a fan of him and he's a big Premier League guy. But I just will say with Josh Sargent, if he continues this form, he needs he deserves a call up um, for this next for this next window because I understand why he wasn't called in this window because he was struggling with Norwich, but he's put in a really good game the past two games especially so if he deserves if he keeps up this form he deserves um to be called in so go ahead matt yeah so i i followed norwich last season particularly because of oliver skip um the tottenham player who was loaned to them um and i mean he played very well and helped them get promoted and they in turn brought in gilmore as a replacement because tottenham did not loan back skip so Gilmore was trying to replace Skip, and then Farker, I think Dana Farker was the manager, and then he got fired, and then they brought in Dean Smith. And Sargent did not play well under Farker, and that might have been due to their midfield being too weak or whatever, but Dean Smith has definitely changed them around in gear as they were in dead last, and now they're, I think they're in 18th, I think. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think they might be in, I don't, last, after their last game, they were in, I believe, 16th. There were one spot out of regulate uh, the relegation, but I'm not sure after that weekend's games. I'm not sure. They're exactly. 17th, so okay. they're one point ahead of Newcastle. But they definitely have improved, and I think Sargent has definitely also improved. And I think him just playing as much as he is is great for his development because he's playing in a top league. He's playing under a good manager who helped bring Jack Rose from a good player to a high-level player. I mean, people have differing uh Opinions about Jack Grealish. I know you love Jack Grealish, but <laughs> yeah. some people don't think he's that great. But he elevated him from a good player to a $100 million signing. So I think Dean Smith is a great manager to have for a young player like Sargent. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. He's definitely um, definitely helped Sargent's development. And it was also funny. I saw this thing on, I believe it was Twitter, that uh, Josh Sargent it has kicked it into a whole you know, other level since the birth of his child. Um, there was memes about how Fred Van Vliet, the uh, Toronto Raptors guard, just kicked it in, un, to another level after the birth of his first child. Seemingly, Josh Sargent is doing the same thing. After, since the birth of his first child, he has forced an own goal um, from, I, I believe it was when they played Everton, and then he scores twice against Watford the week later. So he is in form now. And I'm hoping that he can continue this form going forward. And I will note that uh, the two goals against Watford, Watford is probably the worst defensive team that we have seen in the Premier League in many years. I'm pretty sure I saw the stat that they, in the top four England leagues, are the only team that doesn't have a clean sheet this entire season. And they're now, I think, on their... They're, they're now on another manager. Sorry, Claudio Ranieri. He tried everything he could, but now they're under a new manager. And... Uh, We'll see if he can get a clean sheet because if not, he'll probably get fired in the next month. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely Watford is not the highest of quality, but I mean, that first goal, no one's saving that. And the second goal, he headed it from like the penalty spot for uh, far post. So that's those are both fantastic finishes. And I'm hoping that his shaky form of the beginning of the Premier League season is um, far behind him because I definitely am rooting for him. Any U.S. men's national player I am rooting for. Hope they do well. Hope they succeed. All right. So we next are going to move into some recent transfers. Um, we'll just talk about all of the January transfers from the uh, U.S. men's national team. We're just going to kind of talk about all of them, even though I know some of them are old news like uh, Pepe and stuff like that. So... And then we'll talk about some of the potential transfers that I think should be made or could be made before the window ends. Um, so to start off, we're going to talk about um, Matt Turner. So Matt Turner, as of 
yesterday, I believe, maybe it was the day before, has officially signed with Arsenal. And that is great. The Matt Turner story just honestly just makes me happy. Went from playing at Fairfield University, you know, shout out Matt's brother, Harai, um, to going undrafted in the MLS to now being bought by one of the biggest um, Premier League teams and teams in the in the country. I know, I mean, in the world. I think, obviously, the banter arsenal is not quite what they used to be, but um, in terms of uh, popularity and familiarity, they're definitely one of the biggest clubs in the world. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a great move. I mean, not a big fan of the club he's going to, but for him to go into a top six Premier League side is great. I mean, with Baron Leno looking to le- looking like he's going to leave, uh, he could be a backup. And you know what? Being able to play in you know those cup competitions, and if Ramsdale gets hurt, you know he's he would be all they have. So I think that's a great opportunity for him. I mean, I'm very surprised that happened, but good for him. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there was a really cool interview from Ramsdale. Um, I don't know when it was. Maybe when he first moved, when he was, but when he was there, he said that. He really liked, uh, he was humbled by the fact that he came to Arsenal as a second choice keeper um, because you know you're not going to really get any of the league games unless you're, uh, unless the number one choice is hurt. But he knew that he would get the cup games, he'd get you know some domestic games, um, and that was good enough for him. And now look at him, he is their easily number one choice. And um, you know that's just a success, success story you like, you like to hear. So I'm hoping that Matt Turner can kind of do the same and maybe eventually he can overpass Ramsdale if Ramsdale moves on to bigger and better things. All right, next we're going to go to Daryl DK. Daryl DK recently went to West Brom, the championship side. Um, They definitely are not the greatest team in the world, but I think it's a great spot for him. He We saw how well he did last year for... For Barnsley, he had nine goals and I think in 18 games, something like that. So that's definitely something that is promising when it comes to him. Unfortunately, we just found out he's going to be out for eight weeks with an injury. I'm blanking on what the injury was um, at the moment, maybe hamstring. But that's definitely a blow to start his career at West Brom. But I definitely think it's a, it's a good move to start. Yeah, I would say definitely good for uh, DK. Uh, I actually been following DK for a while because he played at Virginia and um, being a Georgetown student and a fan of the soccer team, uh, I knew all about him when we played them in the national championship two, three years ago now, or two years ago, I guess. And all of the people I knew related to the Georgetown soccer team were absolutely scared of him. So I think that's pretty good idea of just then how people knew how good he was. So good for him to go to the championship. Uh, West Brom is currently in fifth. Uh, they're four points back of a promotion spot. So, I mean, if West Brom make it through, then we could be seeing DK in the Premier League next year. Yeah, and I would absolutely love that. I hope that he can gain uh, West Brom a promotion. And also, I believe Fulham is in first place, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, by far. Yeah. And so then we could see Anthony Robinson and team Tim Ream back into the Premier League. Um, now, that being said, I don't know if both of those teams can survive the Premier League again, because we've seen that West Brom has been in and out of the Premier League and same with Fulham over the past, you know, five, ten years. So I'm hoping that they can, because I think Fulham is far and ahead um, in the league for the for the championship. So that definitely would be good in both scenarios if they're able to be promoted. Next, Ricardo Pepe for Augsburg. We touched on this a little bit um, when we were talking about the lineup changes and Berhalter. Um, but I mean, he he hasn't necessarily um, wowed anyone, but he's also eight or 19. He just turned 19. Um, he's going to Germany. And I mean, you can't exactly expect him to play at the you know highest level when he first goes to Germany it's it's the Bundesliga it's a top five league in the world and even when he did play I think he played well I was actually very impressed with I believe it was his first or second game with Augsburg his hold-up play was exceptional and I've definitely criticized him in the past for his hold-up play and I've thought he needed to improve that because he looked like he had like cement blocks on his feet sometimes his first touch definitely was um 
lacked when he had the, his back to the goal. So I was impressed with him in that respect, but I'm hoping and I'm expecting he's going to find his form again and start scoring goals um, on the norm for uh, Augsburg in the Bundesliga. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, for Pepe, I definitely say that it takes adjustment, especially in a new country at 19. Uh, I can't imagine having to do that myself, but especially when you're learning a new system, new style of play, new players, it is a little difficult to have all those muscle memories in place. So being put in new positions, he's definitely adjusting to a new way of play, and I think that we'll, we'll definitely see some better things out of him in the future. Yeah, I agree. I saw you had some pulled up. Was that uh, for Tottenham or was that for West Brom or what, what were you looking at there? I'm just... I just saw that the uh, Columbia Peru game, Luis Diaz is starting for Columbia, so it's uh, kind of staring me right in the yeah, eye right now. Yeah, fair so. enough. It's a touchy subject for the Tottenham man over there. All right, so we're going to move on now to Justin Che, the um, FC Dallas product similar to Ricardo Pepe. He recently just made a move to Hoffenheim, and that is pretty cool because now we have Chris Richards and Justin Che at Hoffenheim. It is like the future of the U.S. men's national team back line. And I think that um, definitely is those are two players for the future. Obviously, FC Dallas is um, a talent factory. I mean, yeah, talent factory for, um, you know, growth in, you know, the U.S. soccer. So that's a great move for him. And I'm hoping that both Chris Richards and Justin Chaikin continue to play well for Hoffenheim. Um, so, yeah. What do you think, Matt? Hoffenheim looks like a great move. I'm just looking at the uh, table right now. They're only three points out of the Champions League. So um, if they could make a push, you know, we could see both these guys playing in the Champions League next year, which is pretty great. Yeah, that's definitely something that would be awesome. Um, they have, obviously, Kramerich, um, who is a f- phenomenal player, and Chris Richards has been solid. He's been banging out goals for... Hoffenheim at, at center back, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if just, Justin Che will automatically get a spot. I don't really know Hoffenheim's um, right back, who that is, and if he is a lock or whatever for a starter. But I think he is still young. I believe Justin Che is still 17, so he has time to develop. Um, it's not really in any rush for him to you know, get that um, place in the starting lineup or even playing time, really. Because um, he is so young. It'd be good, but not necessarily um, needed. Um, all right. Next signing is Cole Bassett. Cole Bassett is um, a Colorado Rapids product who just recently signed for Feyenoord. I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce it. He is a he's a solid player. Um, he I haven't seen him too much because he's only been featured a couple times for the East men's national team. But he did end up scoring that winner against um, Bosnia and Herzegovina um, again in December. So that's pretty cool. Um, not too much to say about him. I think he'll do fine. Lots of these guys, these young guys, have we've seen go to Belgium, um, like Mark McKenzie, Sam Vines, um, and Cole Bassett. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing uh, some here and there. But that's, that's pretty cool. Hoping the best for him. Um, I'm not sure if you have anything to add there. Um, yeah, the uh, I'd say the Dutch league is definitely a good league for development um, with teams like Ajax and PSV currently dominating. Uh, Feyenoord, I think, is in third right now. So um, I think just the experience of playing at that high level is certainly good for players who are at the top level because it shows them how much farther they need to go to get to a uh, star level. So I, I think that, that moves good for Bassett, and hopefully he'll play. Um, because I think the next year is be good for him. Yeah, I agree. That's it's. I think that. Um, I mean, I've been. I mean, lots of people have been criticized be, for being Euro snobs in the U.S. men's national team community because they believe that you should always go to Europe. And I and I've even made a video about this that I don't necessarily believe that you should always go to Europe. Um, but I think this is a good move for him because he's not making a move where you know he's going to go to somewhere where he's not going to play and because it Feyenoord's a big club in in you know in their league yeah so they're a big club in their league but they're not necessarily a big club in the world so I think he'll be able to get playing time and that's great he's going to get a world-class training in in that league by their coaches their coaching staff whatever so I think that's a good move 
All right. So next we're going to move on to the three um, transfers that happen within the MLS of guys that are part of the U.S. men's national team. Now, these three guys are potentially the most um, popular guys uh, for MLS in terms of um, Greg Berhalter. I think that not many people are fans of these three guys in the U.S. men's national team fan base, but that's besides the point. We'll talk about them for a little bit, um, and then we'll we'll move on to the next segment. So first, Kellen Acosta to LAFC. Now, I'm not necessarily... I don't have too much of an opinion on this signing. I think it's fine. I think it's weird. Uh, he came out and said that um, the Rapids basically didn't let him uh, move to Europe. He had a, a couple offers, an offer to in Europe, and um, they decided to sell him instead, which is a little strange. I don't know if there's too much truth in that, um, but that's what he said, so I guess we'll believe, we'll believe him for now. Um, so I think it's a good move. LAFC is a good team. I think Cole will do fine, um, but it's just another move to the MLS. I don't think it's very significant because the level of talent i guess you could say is relatively similar um in terms of lafc to from rapids I, you could even argue that rapids have a better talent pool than lafc do right now um because they finished higher in the playoff standings but you know we'll see what happens with that i think he'll do fine he's a he's been proven to be a good uh mls player um so so yeah um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you have too many thoughts. I know you're a big MLS guy, so... Um, yeah, I'm not very familiar with these three players, so I don't really feel like I have the capacity to make a comment on them. Okay, and then we'll go Then we'll go fast through these guys. Um, Sebastian Legette from the LA Galaxy to the New England Revolution. So this move, I think, is fine. I'm not... It doesn't blow me away. Um, he, I believe, was brought in to fill the void of Tejan Buchanan leaving. Um, Tejan Buchanan, obviously the Canadian, uh, moved to Club Bruges. Um, so he'll be gone for the upcoming season, and he plays the similar spot as Tejan Buchanan does. Obviously, I don't think anyone can argue that Tejan Buchanan is significantly better than Sebastian Legette, but I think that he's a fine replacement for Tejan Buchanan. He's not like so significant that I think um, the New England Revolution New England Revolution will um, benefit from that. And last but maybe least, uh, Paul Ariola is moving from DC United to FC Dallas. I think it's fine. It's a fine move. Um, there was also, similar to Cal Acosta, there was some reports that said that basically DC United didn't let him leave, which I don't really know what that even means. I think that's... Well, a little bit odd that um, that's been speculated because I know he was rumored to uh, Liga MX in the Mexican League. Um, so then he ended up not going there because I know he started his career in that league. So uh, who knows? But yeah, moved to FC Dallas. I think that'll be fine. Help fill the void of Pepe leaving. Um, so yeah. All right. Then we're going to talk about four players that have been rumored quite a bit. Um, to leave their current club and kind of what the thoughts about uh, you know those moves would be. First, the golden child, Captain America, Christian Pulisic. Um, we've touched on a little bit, so we'll just kind of go on to the transfer side, but he obviously hasn't been playing that much um, for Chelsea. The situation's not great, so um, what do you think... What are your thoughts on, do you think he should move? Do you think he should hold it out? And if he does move, what team do you think fits him the best? I'd say for Pulisic, um, leaving at this point might not be the best idea just because Chelsea are primed for a another Champions League run. They're trying to go for a Champions League spot in the Premier League. Um, they're in the Carabao Cup final. So I think he'll definitely get some opportunities, but... I feel like that if he doesn't get much more playing time, then he should definitely look for either a loan or a move away. Um, in terms of teams that are looking for left wingers, um, 
I know I know he was uh like rumored with Barcelona and I think Barcelona could use him because um they don't really have now now that Dembele's leaving Coutinho, Coutinho just left um I, I don't they don't really play with traditional left wingers but they're quote unquote like w- players that do play wing um haven't really impressed uh I mean you have like I said Coutinho left um, Dembele seems like he is leaving because they can't figure out his contract situation. Um, they have some young guys that have played Ed, Oz, uh, what's his name? Some, some Osbay. I am not a fan of that guy at all. I think he, in the game that they played, um, now I'm blanking on who they played. He like gave up the ball every single time. He thought he was still playing for La, La Masia and was trying to dribble past eight guys whenever he was on the ball. So I'm not a huge fan of him. So I think I, I agree with Matt in the fact that I think he should hold out. But if he were to move, I do think Barcelona would be a you know pretty solid destination for him. That is if he gets playing time. I honestly, if he if he leaves, all I care about is if he goes somewhere that he's can he's at high levels of competition and he gets playing time. I would also suggest Juventus could be a potential location um, with Paolo Dybala's future in doubt and uh, the fact that they just signed Dusan Vlahovic. I think that. Um, the winger positions are open, particularly with Chiesa injured. Yeah, that's actually a great point. I'm I'm surprised that he hasn't even been um, linked there, especially because they love um, McKinney so much. So I'm I'm a little shocked that uh, actually not shocked, but I'm so not I'm surprised that McKinney hasn't tried to pull for a Pulisic move. He probably doesn't have too much pull in the front office just because he is a relatively new player. But I do know that they like him a lot, so. Um, I think that'd be awesome to see McKinney and Pulisic playing at the club level. All right, um, Dest. This is someone we also slightly touched on. Um, I I believe that Dest. Um, I love Dest as a Barcelona fan, so I would kind of hope for him to stick it out. But I also wouldn't blame him if he left because he's not getting playing time. Xavi, for some reason, just doesn't seem to like him that much. Um, he. Basically, ever since Chavi's been hired, he's put him at weird like positions. He's put him at right wing. He's put him at, um, you know, right mid. He's, like he's whatever. He's been he's played him at right back some too. But I think that if he were to leave, I wouldn't blame him just because of the situation that he's in right now. Um, and I would say I know he's been linked to Bayern and um, Chelsea, and Chelsea would be a, a decent a decent. Um, place for him but it just does make me a little bit hesitant just because of Tuchel and his odd formations and you know no one really in that in that Chelsea lineup ever is really locked for starter except for maybe Rudiger and um, and Lukaku and like Mendy but even Lukaku he doesn't I feel like he doesn't even start every single game well I guess just that one game he left him out because of those comments he made but the point is um I don't know. I think Bayern would be a better choice um, than than Chelsea, in my opinion. Um, so, what are your thoughts on on Dest? Yeah, I think I think the fact he's playing so many different positions shows that he's not the first choice at his preferred position. So, for his development, I think he should get a move. Um, and I think Bayern's a good destination. Uh, I did mention Chelsea earlier. I, I agree with you there that Tuchel runs a lot of weird formations and. You know, Tuchel does love Hudson Odoi, so if he if Dest does go in and they're playing that three four one two, I don't know if Dest gets in over Hudson Odoi because Hudson Odoi has been beating out, you know, a bunch of other players for playing time, including Polisic. So, yeah, it's it's just a weird situation. I mean, obviously, Tuchel is a great manager because he's proven it with the results that he's been given out. So it's hard to really question his um. His judgment, but it's hard when you have players from the U.S. Men's National Team who you think are good, they've performed well for the National Team, and then are not getting the playing time that I think they deserve at the club level. All right, uh, McKinney, we'll let Matt take the reins on this one as he has been heavily linked with Tottenham, so the Tottenham expert can kind of take the reins and uh, talk about this. Yeah, so McKinney was a Paratici signing. Paratici was the former director of football at Juventus. Um he was there when it's Antonio Conte, when Antonio Conte won all those championships. Um, Pratici is now the director of football at Spurs. And ever since he's joined, he's been heavily linked to Tottenham. 
especially with the fact that he didn't fit with the previous manager, Andrea Pirlo. Um, and under Allegri, he didn't really play much at the beginning of the season, so people were thinking that in January a move was very certain. So Tottenham made inquiries over a move in the summer, but they wanted to do the classic Pratici, the loan with the option to buy, and Juventus turned it down. So a uh, good thing for them because now he is considered, quote, untouchable in their team alongside Locatelli. So, um, I mean, talk about someone who's did a complete 180 in form from someone who didn't play at all to a player who's always in the team, scoring goals, confident, exactly what you want to see out of McKinney. Don't seem leaving anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. I think this is the first player that we've mentioned um, that would be leaving because he's sought after. Uh, like Pulisic and Dest want to leave or are rumored to leave because their situations with their clubs are not ideal right now. Um, the thing with McKinney is he's playing at such a high level that he's gaining attention from um, Tottenham because he's in such great form and they do see a potential with him because he's been playing um, so well. And I think he was rumored in the summer because I think Tottenham believed he was undervalued. And now um, after they didn't get him, he's going to be worth quite a bit more than he like now than he would have been in the summer. So that's, uh, you know, a as Matt would say, a typical Tottenham situation where they miss out on a guy that, um, you know, wasn't was undervalued. And now he's, you know, playing out of his mind and now they're going to have to play more for him. Um, I mean, you can touch on this, but I know you've told me many times that about uh, Bruno and Ruben Diaz and what kind of happened with them, uh, I guess, a season ago. Um, so, you know, whatever you can touch on that. But yeah, I mean, the, the Tottenham transfer philosophy uh, offer a low ball bid and then um, penny pinch over, you know, dollars. So. Potch after they made the Champions League final wanted two targets, Ruben Diaz and Bruno Fernandez. And then um, that summer they got Tangi and Double A and Giovanni Lo Celso for a combined 110 million pounds. I think we can just leave that there. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a rough, rough topic. We'll uh, we'll move on to our next next guy for potential transfers. So the Philly boy, Brendan Aronson, um, probably my favorite slash second favorite depends on I guess the day I'm a big desk fan I'm also a big Aronson fan he has been very heavily leaked to leads in the Premier League um so when I originally heard this move I wasn't necessarily I didn't necessarily love it and that was solely because leads are like fighting a relegation semi-relegation battle I think they'll be fine but they're fighting a relegation battle in the Premier League and um you know, uh, Salzburg um, in the Austrian league is they're in the Champions League and they're going to win the Austrian uh, Bundesliga because there's no real competition. And then when I thought about the fact that there's no real competition in the in the Austrian Bundesliga and the fact that um, Austria Salzburg is going to get beat because they're playing. I can't remember exactly who they're playing, but they're playing one of the Giants. It might be Bayern or something like that. Um but they're going to get beat, so they're going. He's going to play two more games this season in in Europe. Um, so I love the move now. I think he fit. He fits Leeds really well because of the fact that it's the Prem. It's scrappy. It's you know hard nose. You know, it's a good, he's a good fit. I think that he would do exceptionally well um, in that Leeds system. So I think it's a great move for him, and he's obviously very highly sought after by them because I think it's this, they're preparing their third bid for him. Um, so that's great. I would love to see him move. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just to touch on your point, Salzburg are playing Bayern in the first round. Yeah. It's definitely not who you want to draw. Um, if they do manage to get all their players back from COVID, uh, then I think it will be a curb stomping of a game just because the quality and the talent that Bayern have is difficult to deal with. Uh, I would agree that I think Leeds is a great move for Aronson, typically in the fact that they just play like brilliant football. Like they just, Marcelo Bielsa is a genius. Um, people might have qualms with the fact that he prefers to score goals to winning games, which I completely understand given that they give up, they'll be have like a 2-1 lead and then want to score three more goals and end up losing. So I understand people's issues with Bielsa, but in terms of developing players, I mean, you've seen the rise of Patrick Bamford, who is that a pre, he's like what 29 I think and 
he's recently become like a 15 goal a season player. I mean, Rafinha is just very good. Um, so I think for a team that works their players very hard, they get them really fit and they become very technically skilled. I think that would be a perfect fit for Aronson. Yeah, I agree. To touch on that point about the technical ability, I think that his his um, how do I say it? It could be it's a it's a strength for him and also weakness. Like in close spaces, he is technically very sound because he's quick and he's agile. He can like dance around guys, but I think the technical aspect need need is needs to be improved. Um, like he's not a, bit, a very strong player. He's like he's f- like five eight five nine one like forty, so he's he's he gets bodied off the ball, and I think that um, leads is would can help him in that aspect because he will bulk up. I think his technical ability will improve because they'll they can teach him how to kind of change his style of play a little bit so that he doesn't get bodied off the ball nearly as much because I think that they develop players and see their strengths and. You know, utilize their strengths and then kind of try to hide their weaknesses when they can. So I think that'd be a an, a really good move for him in just like many different different areas. Um, I don't know if you have any other points before we move on to uh, the next the next guy. I okay. Um, last and final guy is Tyler Adams. So Tyler Adams um, is. I will say he didn't play that well last night in the game against El Salvador, but that's probably the first game that I've seen him play where I haven't been um, very impressed with his performance um, at the international level. So he has been linked to Arsenal a couple different times uh, over the summer and also in January. And um, in the summer, I thought I don't want him to leave because RB Leipzig, I think, is a better club than Arsenal. But now I've kind of rethought the transfer because Arsenal has gotten back into form. Um, they, you know, are challenging for Champions League spots, and RB Leipzig is now struggling a little bit. And um, also, Tyler Adams isn't necessarily a lock starter um, in that uh, RB Leipzig squad. So I think it'd be a fine move. I'm not necessarily saying that I would like be ecstatic I'd not necessarily push for it but I think it'd be a fine move because I think he would get um decent amount of playing time I'm a big fan of Martin Odegaard for Arsenal so playing aside him um I think would be a good opportunity for him and um you know I, I think it'd be fine I think he'd do good and I would love more and more um people going to Americans I should say going to the the Premier League because it's fun to see you know all these young Americans going to such a well-respected league like the like the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be an okay move, but I wouldn't say necessarily push for it if I was uh, a Leipzig or an Arsenal um, general manager. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say as much as I hate to say this, Arsenal have been in great form. Uh, Arteta's doing a great job, um, and. Even though they're really lacking in central midfield, Nosambi Lankonga has been very good for them this season. The likes of Thomas Partey and Xhaka being so inconsistent is really what's killing them because Odegaard, Saka, and I mean Lacazette too have all been playing really well for them. And their defense has been great too. It's just their midfield is causing so many issues, especially with Xhaka getting a red card every other game. Um, so I think Tyler Adams' move would be great. Um, I think that that's the type of role that would be good for him in a possession-based attacking team where he can be that holding midfielder because it's kind of the same role he plays for the U.S. Um, for Leipzig, I, I, th- I feel bad for them because typically, and this doesn't happen other than for them, you get close to Bayern and then they take your manager and your best player and then you lose your other best player to Liverpool in Ibrahima uh, uh, Kanate. Uh, so losing your two best defenders, your coach, and then bringing in Jesse Marsh, who was, I'd say, a failure uh, there, really has struck, made their beginning of the season bad. And then I'd say that, you know, if there's an opportunity for a better move for Adams, I would say yes. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that um, it is weird because... I've said like the Bundesliga is a good league because it is a good league. There's definitely, you know, definitely room to develop in that league. But 
Um, I saw this, uh, I believe tweet, maybe a reporter said this or whatever. Um, he said that the Bundesliga is not like, it's not like any other league because every team in the Bundesliga sells their best player to, to, uh, Bayern. And it's kind of odd because wouldn't you think that you wouldn't want to sell your best player to a rival? And that's how I would be. If I was a team, the Bundesliga, I wouldn't want to sell my, you know, best player. Cause then if they have all the best players in the Bundesliga is basically that it's like the Bundesliga all-star team. How are you going to beat the Bundesliga all-star team? It's always been a weird concept to me. Um, you know, along with the likes of, uh, you know, Lewa leaving to go to, um, from Dortmund to Bayern, uh, Goza, when he was at Dortmund, he left for Bayern. Hummels was at Dortmund. He left for Bayern. Um, you know, the two guys you just named, um, Apupacano. Um, I just Upalicano. yeah, I just butchered his name, but uh, he left from Leipzig to Bayern. Um, Nagelsmann. Yeah, Nagelsmann left from Leipzig to Bayern. Um, I'm trying to think about other guys that um, I think Muller, Thomas Muller. I believe he played somewhere else before Bayern. Um, I can't remember exactly who it was, what team it was, but. It's a weird concept. So Goretzka from Schalke. Goretzka from Schalke, exactly. You know, the list goes on. So um, it's a weird concept, but I think that Leipzig, uh, they'll they'll get back. They'll because their their you know front office is good. They've made great moves, um, and I think they'll be back eventually. But I think it'll take time, and I'm hoping that this trend of selling all your best players to Bayern can kind of end, um, so that. You know, it can be more of a competitive league because over the past, ever since um, that Dortmund team with Klopp at the helm and Royce and Lewa and um, Aubameyang, or was was Lewa whoever with Aubameyang? I can't remember. But my point is, is that that team, that Dortmund team that made it to the Champions League final and then ultimately lost. Ever since that team, there's been literally, I mean, ultimately no competition in the Bundesliga. Yeah, so that's that's about it. Um, we're gonna wrap it up. I um, hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. Um, some exciting news from my end. Um, I am officially running the American Outlaws Philly Twitter account and Facebook account. So if you want to check them out, their um, Twitter is at um, AO Philly Chapter, um, and obviously my Twitter account is. King at Kings of Conk Pod. Um, so check me out. And then um, I don't know if Matt wants to plug any of his social medias. If not, that's totally fine because he doesn't have any soccer um, social medias. But um, make sure to um, like, subscribe, follow me on Twitter, do all that fun stuff. And um, thank you so much for listening. I will let Matt say, give his goodbyes before I completely close out the episode. But thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Th- thanks, Nate, for having me on. I'd love to be on another time. Yeah. I'd love to have you. Um, made some great conversation, great topics, um, and uh, shared your uh, despair with the current Tottenham situation. And I'm hoping that uh, in the future, you can, Tottenham can be that club at the top level again. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And I will talk to you next time.